Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Abba, for not leaving me behind. Amen. Amen. Father, to fall on our knees is what we should do before a great God like you who redeemed us, we who didn't deserve to be redeemed. As the song said, we couldn't earn it, we don't deserve it, yet you gave yourself away. Your overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love for us. You wrecked yourself that we might live. Oh, how great thou art, O God. May we all recognize it today. May we all see in our spirits what you've done for us. And if all of creation, whether it be stones or rocks or planets or, or suns, if they can bow in reverence, so can we. Yes, Lord. So we bow in reverence before you this morning, Lord God Almighty, who sent your only begotten Son, that if, if we would just believe in him, we will not perish but have eternal life. Great and mighty God, today, Lord God, as we study your word, I pray that we would see the supremacy of the words of Jesus Christ as we go through. Matthew chapter 5, the second part of it, Lord. May we see your majesty, may we see your supremacy, how you reign over the universe, not just over this world or the church, but you reign over the universe and everything that was ever created. And that's why we're ready to sing praises to you. And Jesus said to those when he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey on, on Palm Sunday, he said, if these people don't cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the very rocks would do so. Father God, we believe it because we know who you are. Father, let these rocks, the stone hearts that your people have, be crushed today by the hammer of your word. I, Jeremiah told us, this is not my word, a hammer that smashes rock. Well, some of us today need our hearts smashed because the stone has been building up again. And Lord, today I pray that your hammer comes down and breaks our hearts and all the junk falls away and we would love one another and forgive one another and serve one another and, and preach you to the lost and dying world. And you receive glory from this service today in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. God bless the church. You may be seated. For those online, I know some of you had just tuned in because some of these other programs like YouTube and Palmcast just, just tuned in. So you're listening to the Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. You can go to our website, Freedom Church, PB, PB stands for .org, Palm Beach. It's freedomchurchpb.org. And you can check up on us what we believe in. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's all about Jesus here. If you have a problem with the name of Jesus, you will have a problem sitting under this teaching. Just so you know that. You know what? The greatest name that ever was, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're in um, 
Oh, for those online, again, you can tune in every Sunday at 11 or 10 a.m. right here, freedomchurchpb.org, Thursday nights. We're studying in, in Genesis chapter 41 this week. We're doing expositional studies through the book of Matthew and through the book of Genesis. And uh, you can tune in 7.15 on Thursday nights and, uh, t- and 10 a.m. on uh, Sunday morning. So thank you and stay tuned. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 and to the 17th verse. I'll be reading mostly from the New American Standard. Um, sometimes I might throw in some New King James. So, uh, But they both read the same. I love those two versions. So, um, supremacy of Christ's words. That's what I named this chapter because you're going to see in this chapter that Jesus is going to say but you do this and you do that but I say to you you can see the supremacy he says I override these things I override them you know I'm the Messiah and my word counts and and we know from studying the gospels that Jesus Christ is the word of God you know um, and he speaks it's God speaking to you and to me. In the former days, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you come up to me and you say, God doesn't speak to me anymore, I'm going to say, start reading your Bible. Because that's how he speaks to you, through the word of God, for the most part. You might have exceptions here and there, but it's very rare. And those exceptions, if you think it is God speaking, it better be in line and in tune with God's word. Because if it isn't, I'll tell you it isn't. The supremacy of Christ's words. Matthew 7, 5, verse 17. I'm going to start reading right there. We're not going to go into the Beatitudes. We spent, you know, probably an hour and 15 minutes last week on the, on the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn and down through that. And we can't go into that again. We'll lose a lot of time. But... Verse 17 of Matthew chapter 5, New American Standard Version. You um, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until it is accomplished. You all should know, and if you don't know, the Mosaic Law, the Law of Moses, was a ceremonial law. It's full of ceremonials and rituals and all that kind of stuff. But Christ was sacrificed for the world. A lamb slain beyond the foundation of the world. The Old Testament and the New Testament both speak about the lamb. The lamb was slaughtered or are sacrificed, and your sins were forgiven. And in the New Testament, the Lamb also was sacrificed, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Christ is saying in this passage, you know, I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill it. He came to fulfill it. God's standards here have not changed, is what Jesus is saying. God's standard has not changed. You need to be holy. And the Mosaic Law was was put there so that you know you can't be holy on your own. It's just impossible. 
He can come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law that you might be saved and I might be saved. God's standards haven't changed. You still have to be perfect. We'll see that in a little bit as we move on. We cannot obtain God's standard of salvation through our own strength. That's what the Mosaic Law is telling you. Cannot, you cannot obtain God's standard of salvation through your own strength. It takes a lamb. It takes a lamb. All through the Old Testament, as we got to, as we went been studying through Genesis, we went to Genesis 22. We saw how Isaac was placed on the altar. It was going to be a sacrifice uh, of Isaac, the son, being sacrificed. Just a, a beautiful picture of what God's about to do. Isaac was willing to be sacrificed, and so was Jesus willing to be sacrificed. Only when I when Abraham raised his knife to slay his son. The Lord spoke to him and said, do not, do not slay your son. And then he looks over and there's a ram, which is a lamb, right, caught in the thicket. So, I, you know, Abraham knew exactly what was happening, and you should know that too. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed in our place because we should have died. The wages of our sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't obtain God's standard of salvation, which is perfection, in your own flesh. It still takes a lamb, just like in the Old Testament. Jesus just come to fulfill, to fulfill it. God's standard shows us that we need a lamb. We need help. We need mercy. We need to obtain mercy and come to Christ. We, you know, all through the Old Testament and the New Testament tells us if we fall in one area of the law, we're guilty of it all. So even if you could fulfill all 613 commandments of God, then you can't get into the kingdom of heaven. 613? I thought there was only 10. No, study the scriptures. 613. So even if you did keep the Ten Commandments, which you can't, you still have the other two, 603 to look forward to. You can't make it on your own. That's the whole idea of Jesus coming to earth. Verse 18, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus is going to break the ice in the religious system in Israel. And he should be breaking it right here in, in this church and every church that there is. We get cold and we get established on our own theologies. And Jesus said, I didn't come, I didn't come so that you could get theological or legalistic. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's why this is named Freedom Church. You're free, church. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are free. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh. That's what verse 13 says of Galatians 5. A lot of people just abuse grace. Even Paul said in Romans 6, 7, 8, he said, what should I say then? Should I continue in sin that grace would abound? And then he answers himself, God forbid. Heavens no. Jesus came that he might fulfill the law. And even in Matthew 24, verse 35, he says, 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus is the word of God. He's talking supremacy here. Supremacy starts right here. God's word in Christ. And Jesus is going to drive this home in the next uh, almost 25 chapters or so. In other words, this means that you cannot revise God's word. You cannot destroy God's word. You cannot change God's word. Even in Psalm, what is it, Proverbs 22 and 23, there's a verse in there that says, the, the ancient boundaries that your forefathers have set are not to be moved. That's the paraphrase on those two verses, uh, Proverbs 22, verse 28, and Proverbs 23, verse 10. The ancient boundaries that God set cannot be moved. That means you can't take the Ten Commandments that the fathers have set, the forefathers of the gospel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets. You can't take it and move what they said. God has already established it. If he says, thou shalt not commit adultery, that means thou shalt not commit adultery. Don't try to look for a way out. He says, thou shalt not lie. Don't lie. Probably everyone in this room, including myself, has lied. I'm already guilty. I can't get into the kingdom of heaven. Let me put a drop of urine in your bottle of water and see if you drink it. You don't think God's going to let you into the kingdom with a stain of sin on you? No way. No way. It takes absolute righteousness. And the only way you get that is through Jesus Christ. It does not mean that the law, Mosaic law, is binding for Christians. The Mosaic law is a standard you're supposed to live up to, but it's not binding. You're not going to go to hell if you believe in Jesus because you broke one of those commandments. Here's Romans 6, 14. Sin shall have no dominion over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. See, we live under grace. We're not under the Mosaic law anymore. You know, before, before God established the Mosaic law, do you know what, from Adam all the way up to Moses, do you know what God's, God's plan was? It was grace. It was grace. Then, the Mo, then Israel was so bad that God had to establish laws. So he established the Mosaic law so that they would obey the Mosaic law. But once Jesus showed back up on the earth, again, he's ushering in a period of grace because God's nature is grace. If, 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 uh, let me ask you a question, and you've heard me say it before if you've been here before. Why did not God kill uh, Cain when he slayed Abel? You know why? Grace. Grace. But in the Mosaic law, if you committed adultery with a woman, you know, you, you were to be slain. There's a time, you know, what God was saying to Israel, like a teacher would say in her classroom, you're being bad, get into the corner. It's as simple as that. Now we live in grace. And that's what Paul is telling the Roman church. Sin shall not have dominion over you. You are, not, you are no longer under under the law, the Mosaic law, you're under grace. We're saved by grace in Jesus Christ. 
Grace is being invoked on mankind once again since Jesus died on the cross, rose again the third day. Here's what Here's what's happening a lot of times, and Paul wrote it in 2 Corinthians 3, 15 and 16. He says, but to this day, whenever Moses is preached, a veil lies over their hearts. When Moses is preached, there's still a veil over your heart. And you know what a veil does? It, it keeps you from seeing or from some seeing you, you know. But whenever a man turns to the Lord, this is Paul talking, the veil is taken away. You know, well, that's the same thing as when Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That veil was taken away. When you're born again, that veil's taken away. You see a, a world within the world. I know that's happened to me. When I saw, you know, came to Christ, you know, I saw a world within a world. I saw the evil over here, the good over here. I, I saw the devil working here, I saw God working there, and to this day, 44 plus years later, I still see the same thing. A world within the world. Grace is evoked on the Christian church today, on people that believe in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 24 and 25 says this, the law, let me, let me just break it down real quickly, the law is now a schoolmaster or a teacher. The law, now the Mosaic law, is a teacher. It's a tutor. We look to that for how we should be living our life. But we're not saved by that. We're saved by grace that's in Jesus Christ for every one of you who believe. If you don't believe, guess what? You're not under grace. You're under the law. And you won't get into heaven being under the law. Here's Galatians 3, 24 and 25. Therefore, the law has become a tutor to lead you to Christ. The Ten Commandments were established, and the other 603 were established to lead you to the Lamb of God who will be slain in the Old Testament. And for those today, we look back to the Lamb who was slain. It was put there to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith but now that faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor, the Mosaic law. So if you say, I'm not going to let you in my church because you have a tattoo, you're not under law anymore. You're under grace. That tattoo was before you were saved, maybe, or maybe it was after you got saved. Jesus has you, God says he has you inscribed in the palms of his hand. What's this, you know what an inscription is? It's a tattoo. So don't be sad if you've got a tattoo. You're under grace, not the law. The Mosaic law says don't get tattoos, but you're not under the Mosaic law anymore. You're under grace, which is a better covenant. And I'll get into that in a moment. You're no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's Paul talking to the Galatian church. He started that third chapter by saying, Oh, foolish Galatians, how you began in the Spirit and now you're justified by the flesh? He says, Oh, you foolish Galatians. Listen, if you were saved 50 years ago and you entered into religiosity or legalism, you have fallen from grace. You have fallen from grace. I may be tough for some of you to understand, but you're, you're saying you can get to heaven by, by your works. 
No, you're saved by grace, through Christ and Christ alone. That's it. And the law is nothing but a teacher that leads you to Christ. As you read those 613 commandments, you say, I can't do this. How can I do all this and fail? Well, the, the 70, 80, 90, 100 years of my life, how can I can't possibly keep that? You're under grace now, so thank God. We have a better covenant. Let me read Hebrews chapter 7. Just in two, in two chapters, I'm going to give you something. Here's two chapters and two verses. Hebrews 2, um, Hebrews 7, 22. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. A better covenant. you hear that? God is saying that the New Testament grace is a better covenant than the Old Testament uh, law of, of, of death, I guess you could say. You can take it that far. And then go over to, to the 8th uh, chapter. And verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also a mediator of a better covenant which has been enacted with better on better per promises. See, the New Testament is a better covenant. It's a covenant of grace. But we should want to live in righteousness. Here's verse 19, and some of the church people need to get this driven into their, their hearts. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be, he shall be called the least in the kingdom. What that's saying, if you're living in disobedience as a Christian and you're leading other people to follow you in that disobedience, you're going to be least in the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't say you're going to be out of heaven. Did you notice that? It says you're going to be least in the kingdom of heaven. But if you're one, it goes on and it says, shall it, you shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, if you're teaching your children to obey God and not to disobey God, then you're going to be great in the kingdom of heaven. If you're a preacher out there preaching a false gospel, I'm sorry, you're going to be the least in the, in the kingdom of heaven. You know, if you're teaching them to disobey the, the law, I don't believe, I hope many aren't doing that, but, you know, you got to. I'm just using that as an example. If you teach, if you're going to be saved, you've got to live it. You know, being a Christian is a lifestyle. It's not just a, a, a hand-waving in a church one day whenever you, when a preacher asks you to do, were you willing to repent or do you believe on Jesus? No, it's a lifestyle. Your life should have changed when you got saved because that veil was removed. That veil's taken back. And that's the picture of the Holy of Holies when the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom when Jesus died. That veil to know God was been removed. Now you can know God, and now he can flow through the entire temple, not just the Holy of Holies. And the same thing, now that you're a temple of God, okay, you know, the, when you accepted Jesus, I liken it to Jesus coming into your heart, probably the Holy of Holies, but whenever you find Jesus, you know, and, and you live by, the, by his 
by through him that veil is torn open and the Holy Spirit that's reigning in your heart can now reign and saturate the entire temple all the way down to your toes, all the way to your fingertips, every molecule, every atom, every quark that, that scientists say you're made out of. The veil has been taken away from us. Don't teach other believers, oh, it's okay to tell this little white lie now. It's okay to have, have ten beers tonight. You know, no, no, no. You're supposed to be teaching them how to do righteousness. Not abuse grace. What should I say then? Should I continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. May it never be. And Romans in Galatians 5.15. You know, don't abuse your grace. If you break one of these laws, you're guilty of all. James 2.10 tells you that. Whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles at one point is guilty of all 613 laws of God. Here's the first supremacy that I'm going to bring out about Jesus. Verse 20. Verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen. Jesus is saying, he's taking authority here. His word is supreme. His word is supreme. You, I say to you, for I say to you, that if your righteousness, your righteousness is to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And you know the scribes and the Pharisees back then, they believed they were so righteous and holy. They had special places in heaven. And you know what Jesus is telling them in, in this verse? He's saying, you have to exceed what you already are doing to enter the kingdom of heaven. He was telling them, your good works and your righteousness is not good enough. It's not good enough. But I'll bet you that made the scribes and Pharisees very happy. Oh, no. Oh, no. They were upset. We were. That's pride. Oh, man. I, I fast three times. I fast. I fast three times a week. I spend nine plus hours in prayer every day. That's what the Pharisees used to do. And Jesus just told them, it's not good enough. Just like the Mosaic Law has been telling them all along, it's not good enough. You have to outdo what the Pharisees do. And even then, they aren't righteous enough. They cannot be saved even in their righteousness, what Jesus is telling them. It's not good enough, scribe and Pharisees. Your righteousness isn't there. You think it's there, but it's not there. What he's saying to him, them is the only way you can keep the Mosaic law, law and its commandments is to come to Jesus, the Lamb of God. Come to me, he's telling them. Nobody is righteous enough. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're president of the United States. I don't care if you're the greatest evangelist on the face of the earth. And I know they all know this. You aren't going to get into the kingdom of heaven because you're righteous or you're the president of the United States or because, you know, you hitchhiked on your mother's faith. You heard the old cliche that God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. That means you can't hitchhike on daddy's faith or mommy's faith. 
You have to be saved yourself. You know that famous verse, and everybody loves it, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You know where that's at? That's Galatians 2.20. Let me read you the next verse. I could quote it for you, but I want you to, um, I want you to, to uh, hear it coming right from the very word of God. 2.20. Paul's talking. I, do, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And then listen, next verse. Listen to this verse carefully. Paul's saying, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, or the Mosaic law, then Christ died for nothing. Then Christ died needlessly, says the New American Standard. Paul's saying, I do not nullify or disregard it. I do not nullify the law of grace. For if your righteousness comes through the law of Moses, then Christ died for nothing. Do you think God's that stupid? Do you think he's that stupid to die for you if you can get saved by your righteousness? No. Even when Jesus was in the garden and he prayed on the rock, Father, remove this cup from me. And three times the Father said, I can't do it. That should tell you enough. Your righteousness is not good enough. It takes Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, to make you righteous. And his words here are supreme. What he's telling the scribes and Pharisees early in his ministry is, when I talk, it means something. So when God talks to you when you read your Bible, it means a whole lot. Don't nullify the law of grace, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Then you're saying, I need Je- I, Jesus needs my help. You think Jesus needs your help? He created all the, what, the trillions and billions of galaxies we sang in the song that's true, and he needs your help? Come on. You say to yourself, I'm not a sinner. I'm not bad. But yet the scriptures are full of verses. Come, let us reason together. Though your sins are red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Paul tells the Roman church, none are righteous. No, not one. All sin and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Without the shedding of blood of the Lamb, there's no remission for sin. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, so that he's hidden his face from you, so he doesn't hear. The scriptures are full of all this. The, you know, the Pharisees and the scribes read all these things, and they... They, uh, they disregarded it. They still thought that they needed to do it all. They missed grace. Even Nicodemus, who was said to be the fourth, the fourth richest man in Israel, 
by Josephus. And he says that, that Jesus said to him, according to the Scriptures, that you're the teacher in Israel and you don't understand these things? He was shocked that you could be reading the Old Testament and not see that you need a Savior. So even if your righteousness did exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, it's not good enough to get into heaven. The law teaches us to quit comparing ourselves with the neighbor or the person in jail. Quit comparing yourself to them. Compare yourself to Almighty God who is holy, holy, holy. Then he moves into the second point, second time for supremacy of his words. And he's going to deal with forgiveness here. In verse 21, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit adultery. Whoever commits adultery shall be liable to the court. He's presenting some standards of righteousness here. And then verse 22, he says, But I say to you, Hey, they said this, but I say this. In other words, my word overrides their word, what you've heard. My word overrides what you've heard. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the courts, and whoever, whosoever says to his brother, you are good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court, and whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Wow. But I say to you, Jesus is raising the bar of standards here. Do you see that? He's raising the bar. If you're angry, you're in danger of judgment. If you inwardly hate someone, you're just as guilty as the murderer. He's telling you, you must forgive. God's looking at the heart. God wants your heart to be clean. I'm going to read Matthew 20. I'm going to go back to my passage here. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 through 26. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering be there